Greetings, my friend, and welcome to today's episode of Seven Figure Millennials, where together you and I are choosing to do things differently. We are choosing, we are committing to prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships while building a business that creates a meaningful impact in the lives of the people that we love and generating the wealth for us to design a beautiful life on our terms. And if you are here as a first-time listener or a seasoned listener, I appreciate you so much for being here today, for listening to my voice right now, and for taking time out of your day to expand and grow. Whether you are working out, washing some dishes, whatever it is, it's really important. And I'm so grateful that you are doing that. Every single week, I interview epic humans making an incredible impact in the world to support you to do exactly the same. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my new friend and legendary leader of impact, Jamie J. And in this episode, you're going to learn so much. And I'm going to read Jamie's bio in just a second. But I want you to look out for three specific things, as always. Number one, how Jamie got his entrepreneurial start by selling golf balls and lemonade with his brother. Number two, what a provocative point of view is or a PPOV and why you need one in your business. And number three, we go super nerd mode on systems and processes. And it sounds super nerdy, but in my mind, I don't know if I'm just weird, but it is super sexy. It is one of the sexiest businesses, business topics because it's all about how you can structure your business in a way to grow without you, increase your business evaluation, and remove yourself from the tasks that you don't want to be doing so that you can stick inside of your unique ability. So we talk a lot about specifically how you can begin to do that in today's episode. At this point, you're probably wondering who the heck is Jamie J. Well, Jamie is the founder and managing director of Bottleneck Distant Assistance. Founded in 2016, Bottleneck is an outsourcing agency that helps businesses identify, hire, and cultivate their workforce through a carefully designed, systematic approach to growth. A veteran U.S. Army paratrooper who received the Army Achievement Medal for Meritorious Service, Jay's additional business experience includes a 12-year career in corporate America and advanced education in business administration and management at Florida Institute of Technology. Jamie likes networking with big picture thinkers and proudly proclaims that he is unemployable. <laughs> in his spare time, he enjoys playing hockey, riding his Harley Davidson. And this is my insertion. He's got the beard for it. He's definitely a Harley Davidson dude. <laughs> he, he loves camping, boating, playing guitar, shooting guns, traveling, and spending time with his wife, Sarah, and their dog, Nikita. Uh, Jamie, man, what do I say about Jamie? Jamie is just such an incredible human. I, I got to meet him for the very first time on this recording. And you can just tell through his voice how much he cares about creating a massive impact in the world. And his heart is just set on making the biggest contribution to the world that he is capable of making. So I'm super excited to introduce you to my new friend, Jamie J. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Bigger Millennials Podcast. Mr. Jamie J, welcome to the show. Super excited to have you here, my friend. This is going to be a blast. Brandon, I am so excited. Thank you so much. I've, I've kind of been, I've really been looking forward to this, actually. Thank you for yeah. having me. 
me too. And I read, read the book, which I know just came out. We were just talking about some early wins in that. So we're going to be diving into all different components of it. But before we dive into that, I wanted to start a little bit about your earlier entrepreneurial journey. So I was listening to another podcast episode that you had done with my friend, Christine Shlonsky, which I think I've been on her show too. Uh, and you shared about the first one of your first entrepreneurial ventures, the first time you made some money. So I would love for you to start with this story. It's the summer of 84. You find some loose golf balls with your brother. Talk to us a little bit about that. So yes, this was circa 19. It may have even been, no, it was 84. Yeah, I was thinking 84. We refined our skills in 85. Mm. <laughs> my my little brother and I lived in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. And we lived right next to what was called Collindale Golf Course. I'm not even sure if it's still there any longer. And we, we were on the back side of where the clubhouse was. So people came around and you could, they were thirsty and boy, at this point, you know, they they had lost some golf balls and we thought, man, look at all the people hitting the golf balls into that lake. So my brother and I got on our swim trunks and we dove into that lake and we got all these balls and the balls had a little nick on them. We sold, I think for 25 cents and then the good ones we sold for 50 and uh, then we also had small and large lemonades that we sold and uh, we just killed it. We had so much fun and, and the early investor we recruited was our mom. And so she invested in the cups and the pitcher and, you know, bringing all that. But we had a lot of fun and it was very rewarding. And everybody we met was so nice and friendly. And it was just like, wow, we have our own lemonade slash golf ball <laughs> stand here. And, and that's how my brother and I made money over the summer to pay for all the stuff we wanted to do. I'm curious, did did you start implementing systems back then? Did you have a whole structure and process behind it? Or was it more Lucy, Lucy Goosey, mom's helping out kind of a thing? It was really loose in the beginning, but I okay. told you that was the beginning of me learning systems, my brother learning systems. We actually documented, okay, what time are we going to be there? How many golf balls do we need to get in order to get this much money? And like, we actually thought about that stuff as little kids. And I thought, oh man, that's kind of cool. <laughs> that's that's super fun. And I love that you added lemonade too, because obviously you were focused on increasing the lifetime value of your customer, getting some more upsells beyond the golf balls and uh, yeah. I, clear, clearly some level of sophistication there. And so there's a, there's a takeaway for you listening right now. I always love seeing little kids with lemonade stands or whatever it is. Maybe they're the next Jamie J. So give them some inspiration, <laughs> buy some golf balls, whatever you could do um, is, is some good stuff. So I absolutely love that. So let, let's fast forward a little bit more into modern day, Jamie. One of the things that stood out to me when we first got connected is on your LinkedIn profile, you talk about this concept of the ripple effect of giving. And uh, I know in your content, in your book, it's really important for you to kind of share your vision and why, why what you do is so important. So we'd love for you to kind of maybe share a little bit about the ripple effect uh, and what that means for you. Uh, first of all, thank you for asking this, because this this ripple effect, I didn't even know was in me. Um, I had no idea. And the reason I started this business, the 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 VA virtual assistant business is, <clears throat> is because, frank, quite frankly, between you and me and everybody else listening right now, uh, I really thought we were able to generate some serious revenue. Um, that's why I started. Uh, quite frankly. And it wasn't until uh, a day came along where um, a, a, one of my clients that had just hired somebody 90 days before, but had been in business for a little while, very successful uh, agent marketing agency owner, called me on a Saturday morning. I said, what the heck are you doing calling me on a Saturday? Well, he went on to tell me that this was the first Saturday he's taken off because of hiring his assistant. Mm -hmm. In over a year, that was his first Saturday. 
And I said, oh my gosh, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm on my front porch with my wife and um, you know, my kid and we're just enjoying the day. And I said, what are you gonna do? Well, we're gonna go out to dinner and a movie. And then um, we had talked a little bit and the phone rustles away and his wife said, Jamie, thanks for giving me my husband back. And like, I, I consider myself a pretty tough guy. I got a beard, I tattoos, like I, I'm a tough <laughs> guy. And I started tearing up a little bit. And right there, it clicked. I'm not in this solely for the money like I originally thought I was. I found my way to finding an opportunity to really support and guide other busy entrepreneurs. And what was this guy going to do who is super successful in his own right, but now that he has time to go out on the economy and hand his hard-earned money to another entrepreneurial business and then go there and hand his money to another yeah. entrepreneur the ripple effect was born. And I thought, oh my gosh, first of all, take care of yourself, your own backyard, then take care of it on a, on a local or regional level, then a national, and then an international level. Make a positive impact however you can. That's how that whole ripple effect started working. And now, uh, last story, and I'll be really quick about this. We had someone that I knew was going to move on, but they stopped through bottleneck for a little while, for about a year and a half, as they made their ways and their steps to what they really wanted to do. She came to us, she did a social media, but she was a violinist. She really wanted to play violin. And she, her, her dream is go to Juilliard. She didn't quite make it to Juilliard yet. However, she gets to play for the Manila Symphony. So That's she beautiful. Plays for the, and what's, what's really cool, and this is true, this is where Ripple Effect on an international uh, level has impacted um, me um, and to her, uh, all credit to her. Now she got the uh, symphony to donate some violins and she teaches kids once a month for free how to play violin. Like, that's so cool. If that's not amazing, like I don't, that's the ripple effect. I love that. I got some, some goosebumps for that. And I think it reminds me of, I think this is in your book. You talked about like one of the questions you ask people is like, what will you do after you leave our company or something like that? It's kind of talks about the expansion of their stuff. So I love that you're investing in people and, and doing all that other really cool stuff. And I love what you shared in that first story. She said to you, you gave me my husband back. And like that, like, that's just, you can't, yeah, you work with digital assistants, but like what you do is so much bigger than that. And like when you're connected to that, it just makes it so much more relevant. And I'm just going to ask one more one more thing. And then I want to dive into your book because you said she said to you, you gave her her husband back. And I know for you, your wife, Sarah, is really, really important and makes a huge, massive contribution to the work that you do. Uh, and I found out that, you know, in, in your free time, you love playing some hockey. So talk, talk a little bit about hockey and what digital assistance has been able to free you up and able to do inside of your own life. Yeah, man, kudos to you. Uh, nice research. So <laughs> Sarah, my wife is, um, she's, she's pretty much everything. She's absolutely amazing. I met her about 13 years ago on the ice playing hockey. Um, and uh, she said something to me, but her mouthpiece was in and I could barely hear it, but it was something to me, <laughs> you know, trying to get me agitated or something. I said, man, I love that girl. So uh, she's absolutely amazing. Um, one of the biggest things I think um, um, helps or supports or guides me in such a way that I can be intentional and be present when I'm here talking to Brandon, right? I'm like, everything is focused on this conversation right now. And that's because 
um, a lot of our overwhelm or anxiety, if we don't allow ourselves to do other things, hobbies or sports or something like that, and actually schedule out blocks of time to participate in those kind of activities, it oftentimes, more often than not, leads to burnout and overwhelm, anxiety, all of those negative things. Now, there is going to be a certain amount of that that is comes with any entrepreneurial venture. However, what I've found is every Friday at 11, bottleneck for me is closed. Mm. I go off to the ice rink with my wife and we play hockey and then we're done. We're done with work um, until we come back around on Monday. And I don't take any um, appointments except for between Tuesday and Thursday. Monday is my me focused day. Friday is Sarah and I playing hockey, good fun, you know, and we really take our time off. Um, and that's why I don't believe in work-life balance. I just simply believe in life balance and having a clear mind. And if you do this, it's amazing. When I hop on the rink, I don't think about business at all. I'm thinking about where that puck is and where I'm going next and all that. <laughs> but after I'm done, I'm like, Ooh, I got some ideas. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty wild how that happens. That's beautiful. And I, I, I think everyone listening has their equivalent of that hockey rink for them. Right. And so like, I, I, I'm so excited to dive into the rest of your content, your new book, quick, re quit repeating yourself, how today's leaders are using systems and processes to grow their businesses the right way. Um, so I I'm excited to give people that freedom so that maybe they can go out and step on the rink if it's like you or do whatever their thing is. And it's funny earlier this year, my wife and I did improv classes and we just kind of oh. like started to, we wanted to learn something new. And another thing on our bucket list is uh, ice skating because we can ice skate, but we're still kind of like the wobbly deer out on the ice. So maybe, maybe in a few months, you'll get a text from me, Jamie, where I'm, I'm oh. out on the ice trying to learn how to ice skate more effectively. Quick, quick tip. Quick tip. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you've seen the people that bend with their ankles, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's because you get the skate size, the same as your shoe size. Get about two sizes down in your skate size, and that will prevent mm. your ankle from bending. There you go. Hidden insight from today. Now, now everybody <laughs> can have that 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 next level edge when they're when you're ice skating the next time. So, love it. Well, so let's. We already kind of planted some seeds into some of the content that you talk about in quit repeating yourself. Cause we started by talking about the ripple effect of giving that you're creating. And that's kind of like your why. And I was so excited to read your book and know that yes, it's a, it's a book that's about uh, creating and systematizing everything that you can do so that you can empower yourself to focus on the work that you love and create a, create a bigger impact. And one of the ways that you started is talking about the culture and leadership that, that is necessary, the why, the, the mission, the POV, the core values that really um, make it possible for an organization to be sustaining. So I know you already kind of talked about the, the vision, but would you mind maybe sharing a little bit more about some of the other kind of critical foundational components that everyone needs to have before we get into talking about some of the systems that, that kind of empower you to have the life and, and build a team that is able to sustain, sustain itself? Sure. So just just to confirm, um, you're wanting me to elaborate a little bit on why systems and profit processes I, are so important. Yeah. So I would I would love for you to share a little bit. So we talked about your vision, right? And and you talk about right. in the book, you talk about like the the mission and the core values. I would love for you to kind of maybe just share a little bit about why those foundational things are where you start when you're coaching someone through uh, developing what you develop. Yeah, great question, and and uh, thank you for the clarification. So, it, 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 just like a, a system, um, and it, and there's a difference between a system and a process 
in a workflow. And, and you can think of it almost as in kind of rings or shells. The system is everything that goes on in an organization. The processes are for how things are getting taken care of. And the workflows are, are, are the processes are what things need to be taken care of. And the workflows are how things need to be taken care of. And you can think of the system as all the different departments, right? If you're a one person show, you still have different departments. You still have your accounting, you still have your marketing, you still have your sales, you still have your operations. So you put all these around the systems and then you use processes um, to learn how you're going to complete everything. So I think it's really important to understand that, that while you have a vision, a mission and these core values, they need to be strong enough to understand that while you're putting systems and processes in place that may or may not give you energy, from my conversations with many, many, many people, most likely may not give you energy mm -hmm. in creating these things, you have to understand what that why is. And that's why vision, mission, core values, a provocative point of view mean so much. It's not just words on a wall. These are things you live by every single day day. These are how you make your decisions. My wife and I went, we needed a new truck and we have core values. And I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in life balance. My core values extend to my business, to my life in any which way I need to make a decision or my wife needs to make a decision. We went to the first place. Three of the four of our core values were identified. We left. We went to the next place four out of four of our core values were identified with regards to the person that we were interacting with. Mm -hmm. We bought a truck. And that's the same way that we use it. We, we make decisions and we've defined decisions here as, is it good for the company? Is it good for the team? And is it good for our clients in that order? Because if it's good for the company, we're financially sound, we're culturally sound, then, then definitely our team's going to be taken care of. Because if our team's not taken care of, either through a strong culture or a strong financial foundation, how in the world can I expect them to take care of our clients? I can't because yeah. they're going to be, am I going to get a paycheck? Hey, this person got this raise, but I, you know, we try to alleviate all that. The stronger and more passionate you are about that vision and about that mission on where you truly want to go and be true to yourself. I call it 75-25. 75% is what you absolutely love. 25% is suck. That's that mud you got to go through. That's all the stuff that totally drains you of energy, but it has to get done by you because I look at it when I go through that stuff, I know I'm going to be rewarded with the 75% of the stuff I truly, I get tons of energy out of talking to you, Brandon. Like this is, <laughs> this is it. Like, I'm like, I'm a, I told you I was fired up for this. I know you did your research. I watched the testimonials from everybody that's been a guest on there. They said all these good things. Oh my gosh, I've never had somebody make me feel so good. And I've been on 500 guest appearance. Like I was really excited about this. And this is what gets me fired up because I get to share what I care about, right? How often do we get to do stuff like that? But I will tell you just a little bit earlier, I had to go through some of that suck because I had to work through some contracts. And I have mm -hmm. to do some actual stuff that I hate doing, but it's necessary. And I keep telling myself, I get to talk to Brandon this afternoon. This is all work, <laughs> right? Like, that's truly what I think of. So to answer your question, long story longer, that's why vision, mission, core values, provocative point of view are so integral uh, yeah. with regards to what we do.
That's that's beautiful. And I I had the pleasure of interviewing the CEO of meetup.com, David Siegel. And that was like, you know, this is when you start to see patterns emerge over and over and over and over and over and over again, like you can't not miss them. And, you know, it's just like, that's one of the things that David talked about when he turned around meetup. It's like the first thing he's working on is that, that core values and vision. So if you're listening to this right now and you're not clear on that, like, obviously I have I think everybody has level of work to do it, right? Like it's never done. You can always expand your vision, but like if you if you don't you even know what that is, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you don't if you don't have some form of that, there's some homework for you. And and uh, I love how Jamie gives some specific questions and exercises if you want to kind of uncover more of that inside of the book. But I would love to dive deeper into a word that I, I don't know if I just have never heard of it or what, but you've mentioned it a few times, provocative point of view. And I love this in the book. And I had never heard of coming up with a provocative point of view before. And so in the book, you talk about this thing called the three act rule and in, in creating it. So I would love for you to share, first of all, what is a provocative point of view, and then walk us through a little bit about how we can maybe think about creating one. Yeah. So uh, if you've ever heard of Christopher Lockhead, he, he he's uh, um, an incredible human being. And there's two books that I have in my office. One is my book, Quit Repeating Yourself. And one is his book, Play Bigger. And it's all about the um, art of category design. Um, who creates a category? What is a category king or queen? And if you look at it in the, many examples, but in this book, highly, highly encourage people to read it. If you're in business, it completely changed how we ran our business. I'll and, second that. It's a great book. I've read it before. Yeah. And so in provocative, what a provocative point of view is, is what is the point of view that you can state in one, maybe two sentences usually one sentence, very short and sweet, that tells your ideal audience, ideal avatar, target audience, whatever you want to call it, that explains to them in a second where you identify their challenges and you give them um, a way to overcome those challenges. Notice I'm very careful in not saying solution. I never use that word solution because it's vague. I like to mm -hmm. challenge myself to come up with the words that are a solution instead of keeping it so ambiguous. Mm. But in, in our case, um, our provocative point of view is stop doing the wrong things. I'm talking to you, the CEO, like you, this is stop doing the wrong things so you can focus on doing your best work. And what in the world does that mean? Well, Anybody here ever been overwhelmed? Anybody ever here worked late? Um, are you working late more? Are you missing your kid's soccer game? Uh, stop doing the wrong things, meaning stop checking your email all day long. People on average right now, there's been studies on average, spend over 90 minutes a day on email. I spend 15. Hmm. That equates to almost two months of time saved from 90 minutes to 15 if you do the math. Go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. But but that so many people have challenges. They're they're focusing on the wrong things. They're focusing on the ten or twenty dollar an hour things instead of the five hundred thousand, ten thousand dollar an ideas. So many people have so many ideas. They are so creative, but how many of those ideas have they actually executed? Have they actually gone? Have they actually finished? And you ask that question. I I will I will bet nine out of ten times those people will say I have a lot of things that I really want to do that I haven't done. And that's because they're focusing on the wrong things. So that's yeah. our provocative point of view. Challenge I love that. and overcoming challenge in one sentence or less. 
I love that. And I want to zoom in on that a little bit because it took you a while to get to that level of sophistication and clarity to be able to state that, that didn't just like magically appear out of thin air. And I love you. You share this story in the book about um, learning more about your customers by a survey that you sent to them with the subject line, we are embarrassed <laughs> um, or, or the results uh, as a result of that. We'd love for you to maybe, maybe share a little bit about what went into developing that and some things that people could do to discover some of those things that would be good to add inside of the POV. You know, that's, again, great. This is, you know, this is the first time I've been asked this question. We are embarrassed. I've, I've shared this story, but never been asked about it. So thank you again. Uh, really appreciate it. And all those testimonials are ringing true right now. Um, <laughs> so, so what happens is it, in order, in order to really let that stuff sink in, there has to be several moments of vulnerability um, almost an ongoing vulnerability, meaning that you can't afraid um, uh, to show what you feel is maybe um, a darker side or a challenging side or, um, you know, a, a side of you that isn't romantic or sexy or, or anything like that. It's kind of like the, the, ooh, you know, the, the, the rust and the, you know, all of that stuff side of you. And it, it sparked this vulnerability with me really rang true. I kind of sent out a message to people knowing that we had messed up. And I said, I'm so embarrassed. And we listed out all these things we did wrong and what we found out and why we dropped the ball multiple times. And, and, you know, how, you know, we apologize to clients and I mean, but then we didn't just say, hey, we're sorry. We actually took time, had a meeting, and figured out different ways that we might be able to learn from these mistakes and put that out there to our entire list. Till this day, that's still my number one opened email. And to this day, I've never, ever had so many responses from a single email on ways that people could support us on ways that people um, gave us fantastic ideas and people just coming out and saying, wow, uh, you know, thank you for being so vulnerable. Like I actually got an email response. Thank you for your vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what really clicked in here. And if I think I really believe that if you're going to establish a foundation that has a worthy provocative point of view, you must experience that vulnerability because with that vulnerability, you get true insight from what your audience truly feels. Mm -hmm. And the more times mm -hmm. I talk to people, the more times I find out. And, and here's the thing. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know, but they can get to know what they don't know, meaning systems and processes. And you must have systems and processes in place in order to understand how to effectively come up with a provocative point of view. Hmm. That's just another correlation that I've seen in so many of the incredible humans I've had the opportunity of hanging out with is that they're so good at listening. And like I, somebody that I interviewed, his name is Jason Campbell. He's a, a, a musician. And he said that he said some small thing that when he said it, I didn't really understand it until he said it until it kind of resurfaced in my brain. I realized what it meant to me, but he said like when he was young, his music teacher told him that novices listen to the notes, masters listen to the silence between the notes. 
And mm. what I what I realized in many high level entrepreneurs and what I was thinking about as you were saying is like you were listening to the silence between the notes of like what your customers weren't saying, like what they really really feel heard like when they feel that emotional connection to something it says so much more than what you could actually say in a, a statement and the, t the fact that you not only sent out emails that were vulnerable but also that you listened to that feedback and integrated it moving forward because at the end of the day people don't buy products they don't buy services they buy things and products and services that make them feel the way that they want to feel and like that's exactly what you were doing is you were being very intentional about integrating that into your stuff which is just incredible yeah, thank you. And, and and you know what? And if if we get to learn something from somebody else, I always ask, hey, can I can I say that I learned this from you? And you know, what what website would you like me to form? It's a little things like that. Like um, you know, in our epilogue in the book is uh uh do something as if it's the last time you're ever gonna do it. Scott Beebe said that from Business on Purpose, and that is that resonates with us big time because mm -hmm. It fits right in line with our provocative point of view. So I'm, I, you know, I'm a big fan of people that get out of the dark lurking corners of the interwebs and reading stuff and actually participate in the conversation, offer dialogue, because that's how we get around today. And that's how we learn. I won't know what it is that our target audience needs unless they speak up and tell me. I can, I have experience of my own life. And so that's kind of how this started. I was like, where did I need help? What did I do wrong? What did I need support with? And come to find out a lot of other people have similar challenges, but I also need to hear feedback from people. So people opening up and turn, giving back um, in constructive criticism, I will take that all day long because that's how I learned yeah. Love that. Well, let's let you opened up a door. So let's like zoom into this because I know this is a huge component of your book. Uh, you said do something as if it was the last time you're ever going to do it, which I think if I were to put a motto to, to you, it's pretty much exactly what you guys do is like you train people to remove the system from their brain so that it lives outside of them. And just to add a little bit of backdrop to this, I will say like the last company or the, the company that I had right out of college, like this was a huge weakness of ours it was like, it was chaotic. Nobody really knew how to document things. And, and when it comes to selling and exiting a business, like the more that it's actually documented, the valuation is just significantly increased. And so the, not only does it add more sanity, but like there's so much, so many benefits that I, that I learned the hard way of not having this documented, not treating things as if it was the last time you were going to do it. So Maybe would you mind if if there was anything that you want to color in the lines between there, but like why why is this documentation so prevalent, so necessary when we're thinking about setting things up for ourselves? Yeah, I had a conversation with uh, a prospect. I will call him, and we turned out kind of a really friendly conversation two weeks ago. And I was telling him about you know one of the biggest challenges is being able to document something and have the time to do it. Cause it's, it's pretty time consuming. You gotta, I mean, you're sitting there and you're writing down every single, for us, every single click of the mouse button, that's a step for us. Yeah. And you can imagine how many tasks happen in a company with 26 and, you know, on, on the team, I, there's a lot of stuff going back and forth. And if someone goes out sick and we need someone to cover for them or someone leaves the organization or they get promoted and someone else has to come into their role, well, document it so they know exactly what to do. So it sets a level of expectations where it's supposed to be. And here's the other thing. If you don't have things documented, if you don't have what's in your head down on paper or on video or some form of delivering 
what you're thinking and how you do stuff in your in your organization, you are setting yourself up for massive, massive failure because now no matter who comes into your organization, they're going to fail. They're going to fail. And the reason why is because they don't know what's in your head. They're going to try to do the best that they can do. And they're thinking they may do a good job when whomever, whatever you're thinking is maybe something else. Those expectations are different. So you always have to document things the way that you want. And here's the magic. When you finally do delegate those to somebody else and they're starting to carry on those things that now all of a sudden you're like, wow, they're doing exactly what I expected of them. You know what? I have the confidence now to delegate even more responsibility. And here's the little insight too. There's a difference between a transactional-based relationship, meaning giving somebody money for something, versus an intimate-based relationship. And I'm not talking about intimacy in the form of love and sex and all that. So I'm talking about intimately and intentionally getting involved and understanding vision, mission, provocative points of view, core values, understanding tone and voice. And that's what you get when you document everything that's in your brain and delegate that. You're documenting your tone, your vision. They're learning your voice. They're seeing the words. They're hearing the words that you're saying. They're seeing what's written down, the way that you write things down, the way that you say things. When I leave a meeting, I say bye for now. Guess what? My personal assistant, our director of operations, uh, our system, they all say bye for now when they end their conversations. We're We're together. That is so freaking powerful when you take the stuff that's out of here and document it in video or or written form. Do something as if the last time you're ever going to do. Document, document, document. So let's, Jamie, are you okay with going like hyper nerd with me? Like, are, are we cool Absolutely. with you? Like, okay, so like, let's go, let's go hyper nerd on this section because like, I, like this to me is just one of the most important conversations that you can be having. Like I had on um, Josh Fonger, he wrote, actually he, he runs the company work the system. Uh, his, his business partner, Sam Carpenter was the one that wrote the book work the system. But like, he talks a lot about like having an, uh, outside and slightly elevated perspective of your business, you know, like that was just kind of like the, if you can just kind of imagine like being able to observe your business and, and think about, I think that it was such a powerful mindset shift when he said that to me, cause it's like, Oh, like that, when you, when anything, when everything is outside of you, you can work on it, you can create it. But like when you're stuck in the middle of it, like it's so hard to see what the heck is going on. And so that's exactly what Jamie's talking about here is like, is documenting this stuff so that, that there's a way for you to tweak and modify and improve on it and, and not just be this kind of crazy, um, you know, fire putting out stuff all over the place. So like, I, I would love to zoom in here and get some nitty gritty details on people, how we can start to do this. So like, maybe let's start with like, I know maybe a good place to start would be like the delegation roadmap. So if somebody, if somebody's hearing this and they're like, okay, like that sounds great. I've never created anything in my life. Like where do I even begin to start? So would you talk to us a little bit about the delegation roadmap? Sure. Um, there's three things. There's a delegation roadmap. There's actual three steps involved in a task that are defined. And then the third part about that is confirmation. And I'll talk about that as well. Sure. So with, the, with regards to delegation roadmap, if for some reason, um, you're, you've either experienced turnover or you can't keep somebody on, or you're having a hard time trusting that someone is going to be able to carry out the tasks that are very important, but they're the wrong things for you to be focusing on. Um, then there is a tool. And it, once again, it was designed by Scott Beebe. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, and it's called the delegation roadmap. What the delegation roadmap does is it gives you an opportunity to do a brain dump and then to take that 
the tailings of that brain dump and turning it into something positive, i.e. job description or role and responsibilities. So what we, what we like to do is list down every single thing you do in a given day. And I mean, every, if it's Saturday morning, take it, take an hour or two, by all means, talk to your spouse, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk about whatever, let them know, Hey, and give them a week in advance, right? Next Friday night, I need alone time. Next Saturday morning, please take the kids out. I want to, whatever the case may be, you need some, you need a one hour, two hour block to do that, do this delegation roadmap effectively. List down everything you do in a given day, everything. Take the trash out. Do you take the trash out? Whatever you do that you do more than one time, list that down. Go pee seven times. <laughs> Every, everything. And then you're going to assign two values to that, right? You're going to assign two values. Number one, is this something I must do? Yes, I have to, I have to go to the bathroom myself. <laughs> or can I delegate it? And the second thing is, does this give me energy or drain me of energy? Hmm. These are two critical components to the delegation roadmap. And when you when you figure this out, we have a little um, uh, worksheet that you can download for free, obviously. Um, and no emails, nothing. We just send you a link if you'd like it. Um, or you can go on our site, I believe. But on this, on this thing right there, uh, it'll take subset lists of tasks. So maybe writing my blog, um, maybe uh, checking my email, uh, you just, whatever it is, name it. And then it'll populate on the next page. And then all you do is you just assign what role is responsible for doing that. Updating my website, web developer. Checking my email, personal assistant. Um, coordinating my internal projects with my vendors, project coordinator. You know, And wherever you see the longest list, uh, that's the role you should focus on first. And here's mm -hmm. the cool part. Now you prioritize those. So you have 10 things that you need to delegate. Prioritize them one through 10. Now, take the first thing you prioritize and forget two through 10. Totally forget it. Just focus on number one. Now, what needs to happen? If that's something that drains you and you can delegate that task, what do you need to do? Well, I need to create a workflow. I need to you know, talk about this and figure out. And here's the thing. When you do end up delegating some to somebody else, even though you do it like this, and that's, that's awesome because you do it and that's the best, Chances are, and the likelihood is that since they're going to be focusing on this task for you from now on, they're going to improve the task while you don't even care about it. They'll come and say, what do you think if I do this and this? Oh my gosh, great idea. Do that. Yes, let's go for it. And you're right back to, to doing, you didn't have to waste the time and the, the brain power to think about how can I improve that process? Because this person who's the expert at it, who's doing it all day long, and by the way, who gets a ton of energy out of it, actually did a, a better job than you. Go figure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this whole concept of energy is so important. I love that this is integrated in here. There's another uh, favorite book of mine. It's called Unique Ability by Dan Sullivan and Shannon Waller. Like if you want to kind of document kind of like what gives you energy, but the crazy mind bending thing for so many people is like the stuff that depletes you and drains you of energy is somebody else's, oh my God, I could do that all day kind of a thing. So like, I think lots of times people get into this trap of like, oh, does... I, I'm being a terrible human being by getting this off. Like, I can't believe you would want to do that. But there is somebody out there that like loves that stuff. And so not only are you doing them a service, but you're doing yourself a service by, by removing that. And, and I don't, um, 
do you happen to know off the top of your head because we're talking about this where we can get the delegation roadmap if we just go to bottleneck.online where we find that or we can make yeah. sure it's in the show notes regardless yeah we'll put it in the show notes because uh, we just we just launched a new website so i'm not exactly sure where it is okay cool i will definitely i'll definitely get it to you so sure i'll make a I'll make a note of that because that just sounds like a huge action item for anybody that's excited about this is go get the delegation roadmap and start start working on this so let's let's keep when i said let's go hyper nerd here like let's let's go deep here so you mentioned like workflow so say for example let's back up somebody they said to their husband or wife or kids or whatever you're like i need an hour you sit down you delegate your track everything and you found out and you're like okay i have one workflow that i can tell is like critical for me to get together and i can start with my very first uh workflow so like how does somebody go about creating uh, a workflow to make sure that that task gets repeated effectively what are some of the the structures and strategies you would recommend for me it's video so Zoom, I, I would pop on Zoom and I'll hit, you know, screen record and then I'll share my screen. And literally what I'll do is, um, uh, so when I heard my first assistant, um, by the way, uh, Raina, amazing personal assistant four years ago, who is now our director of operations, it took me almost three or four months to get her trained because of our workflows and our systems and our processes that we that we came up since then. When I got my new assistant, she was up and running in two weeks. Oh my That's gosh. The power of systems and processes and workflows. And what I like to do is I like to get Zoom and I'll record and I'll hit share. And then I'll say, okay, first thing I do when I come here, I name the task. There's three steps to a task. Name this task, confirm the task, and establish a signal for the task. So as I'm recording, the and, and I only do one task per recording. Right. So I'll turn on the video recording. I'll say, okay, so this task is um, uh, in inbox management. Okay. So that's the name of this task is inbox management. This is what I do. So as you see, I'm going to click here. And this is the kind of things that I want answers to. And this is not. And, and if I don't want to, um, you know, have to deal with this and I want you to deal with it right away, then I'm going to click this little star button here. And, and I do, and I literally go step by step. Now, I don't write any of that down, but I talk through it. And then I say, and when I expect this to be done, I go ahead and I, and, and I establish a signal. When this is done is when you take this and uncheck it and put it into this category, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm being very vague here, but this goes with anything. The signal is the key to making sure your expectations are maybe not even achieved, but exceeded you have to figure out when it is that this task is done hmm. because if you don't ever go over the signal establish a signal for when something's complete your idea of something being done may be completely different than somebody else's idea we had um i had a creative web studio agency and um, we built websites a lot of websites over a thousand of them i mean we built a lot of websites but we were consistently having problems with scope creep. And what that meant was we would define the, the, the parameters of this project. And it was almost, almost every single time we'd run into people asking for more and more and more and more, but we, we weren't asking for any more money and we were losing more and more and more and more. And I said, we got to stop this because it's, you know, we're not as profitable now, especially with the team. So I thought, what's a way that I can prevent this from happening? We came out with a deployment kit. That's our, that was our signal. And what we would do is in the initial consultation, we'll say, 
At the end of this phase, we are going to send you a deployment kit. Once you get that deployment kit, which is like brand guidelines, how to log in, all that stuff. Once you receive that, this project is done. Anything that you want over and beyond that will be a separate charge, a separate line item. Our instantaneously, our problem scope creep went away. <laughs> and so every single task, name it so you understand the same name. Have whomever's completing that task for you confirm it so that you know they understand something, didn't misinterpret anything. And number three, establish a signal. If you do that, when you're getting ready after you finish your delegation roadmap, if you do that every single time, oh man, life gets so much prettier. That's so, um, there's so much gold there. So, so much gold, like hit that back skip a few times and re-listen to that. If you're taking notes, like, and I, I want to just highlight a few things that you said there. One, I love that the, a term that I'm using, I heard it early on the show from a guest named Blair Dunkley, but he talks about naming and labeling the importance of naming and labeling stuff. And like when it's this kind of obscure, I don't really know what it is undefined thing. It's so hard to work with. And um, so like having that signal that's named and labeled and very clear is very important, but also you did it on a, a bigger level than that when you're talking about your web development is the deployment kit. Um, you know, you, it was something that people understood. It was branded. This is what was included in it. When, once this is delivered, it's done. Um, if somebody else wants another resource on that, that, my episode with Pia Silva talks about like uh, coming up with like a branded first lead product and then transitioning that into like whatever it may be afterwards. But like, there's just so much gold in what you said there of making sure that it's crystal, crystal clear. So I love all that. So let's, let's say, um, our friend is still following along right now. They, they, they recorded something, they have their first workflow. Um, and I've done this a bunch and I'm getting some incredible results. Now, Jamie, I have 15, 20 of these things. And like, I like, it's, what do I do? It's like chaotic. There's all these files, like where now, now let, like we're increasing in complexity. Now, how do you organize once you started to document more and more of this stuff? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. And there's a million and 50,000 different directions you can go right. in on this one. For me, this is what I do. And I just keep it simple from the very, I don't even do workflows anymore. By, by the way, our team does the workflows but I did the first couple and I set up just a simple folder in drive. Um, I think they call it Google workplace now or something like that. I, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but I just set up a folder and, and it said workflows. And then I had subfolders for email and uh, marketing and sales. And then within those, I started doing, I started building a video library of how I do things. Now, this is, for the very specific reason, if you're wanting to scale or grow or exit your organization at any point, even if you're not ready, even if you're not ready, you should always be ready for growth. So start practicing for growth on day one. So as you start going through something, if you do it more than once, document it and put it into a folder like that. Um, for me, that's what I did. Here, here's the power. When I hired my first assistant, you heard me, it took three or four months to get her trained up. I didn't have any training done. I didn't have any of that done. When Ella, my new assistant, came on board, it was all done. Mm -hmm. She just basically went, and the same thing I do when I bring on a new account executive, they watch these nine videos, they go through these little things, like everything that we did with our first AE 
we're now duplicating for the rest of our AE. So it's not going to take six weeks to train somebody. It'll take one or two weeks to train somebody. I can't encourage you enough. Whatever system works for you, uh, do that system and then train that system. So we're a big Google Drive company. We love it, you know? And the reason we love it is because um, processes or workflows, those are living, breathing aspects of your business. And what I like about the, the Google Drive or the Google Sheets or the Docs or the Slides is that as we learn or identify maybe chinks in the armor um, or, or you know vulnerabilities, we can always update that. And whoever is whoever created that workflow owns that workflow, right? Until mm. they leave or move on, and someone else assume, uh, assumes ownership of it. Whoever is responsible for that particular workflow will offer updates, or maybe somebody gives them some insight on a better way to do it, and they'll offer updates. The nice thing about Google is you always see the latest. Mm. That's that's so huge. Yeah. And living, breathing, I think is just such an important thing to think about too, because it's like, it's never done. There's never a finish line to cross on this. Like there's always a next level of clarification and sophistication. So one, um, I don't know if this is like a, a quicker question, but like what, like I want really briefly, if you have any file naming structure, I know that's kind of like a really weird niche question to ask, but like for me, like the one I structure it, it's like, SOP semicolon projects it's related to semicolon something else. So that that way my SOPs actually live all throughout my Google drive in their respective folders, but at least I can search SOP semicolon main project and then it'll show up. So like any, is that kind of what you do or like how do Absolutely. you structure it? Okay. Yep. yep. And, and it's so, so even I noticed this the other day. So whenever I hand out say a, a delegation roadmap, I don't give you the Google doc or the Google sheet of the delegation roadmap. I give you a link that says make a copy of, right? And so when you get that, um, and, and I also do videos um, on how to exactly go through it, how to name them, all that. I go into, I think I did two. I did an overview of it and a step-by-step -step detailed, it's both six minute long videos, but I actually go in and show you what I actually do with that stuff. And that way you make a copy of it. It's your own. You can do with it what you want. You don't need... Uh, uh, and to give me your email, you don't need to worry about us. Mark, this is done so that you can get it, take it right out of the gate and, and rock and roll. Um, but that. yeah, the structure is super important. And I noticed the other day on one, it said, it said copy of, and it had a different name than what it was called over here. And so we, we fixed it, you know, like mm. it may have said something, you know, XYZ document and, and what it should have been called is ABC document. Right. Sure. So, we just make sure all of that stuff to the best of our ability is, is that's where that naming is really important. Yeah. Love that. Well, Jamie, time is flying. I know we just got a few minutes left. There's one more thing that I like. I was like, Brandon, make sure you don't miss this. Cause this is just brilliance here. This is Jedi master, Jamie J. Wow. That's got a lot of, a lot of good. That's a good, it's good sounding. Maybe you should try that on Jedi master delegation, Jamie J level. Um, I had never heard about this, but what ifs. So let, let's talk like, so you have like, you have your documents, you have it organized appropriately. It's it's clearly spelled out on, on what you should do. Would you explain the importance of what an, a what is a what if <laughs> and how we can go about creating those? Sure. Uh, so with regards to a workflow, that answers the how to do something. Step by step, this is how you do it. What it doesn't address are the different times or areas where a decision needs to be handed out or carried out. 
Um, so this came to me when I was having people contact me, Jamie, I reached out to them two days ago. Should I reach out to them now? Or should I? And I was like, okay, that's a great question. I, I know their interest, but they should be making that decision and they should know when to reach out, but they, they don't, right? That's one of those things where you don't know where you don't know. You kind of mm -hmm. need to fill it out. So what I, so what if statement or what if uh, is in conjunction to the how-to of a workflow? So in this case, maybe think of the sales process, right? You reach out to somebody and you do a consultation. And after that consultation, you send something out and they're supposed to reply. And what if they don't reply? How long do you wait? You know, hey, I did reach out to him, Jamie. Do you have any other ideas? I, well, because we have the what if, which is mind mapping associated with that particular workflow, it tells you if you have not heard back within two days, do this. If they heard back from you, then do this. Every single one is a little branch, right? Yes, no, decision, no decision, you know, and that really helps the things even all the way down to at what point in time do we determine that this lead or interest level is no longer worth pursuing. That's how far down we go in, say, in the sales cycle. We do that for everything. So it's really important to understand how to do something. And also, it's really important to understand how you can make your own decisions. Remember, I said decisions, how we all are in, in power. And what you'll find is when you delegate other people so that they feel comfortable enough to make their own decisions, guess what happens? They're empowered. They're going to stick around. Less turnover. They feel like their voice means something and that we respect their thoughts and wishes and dreams and all of that stuff. And it builds a better culture for us because someone else knows that I have all the trust and I have all the faith that you're going to get this thing done. You don't need to ask me whether or not, you know, you need to do this. Follow, follow the flow, follow the workflow. Yeah. So cool. There's, there you go. So I think you listening right now, you got, you got tons of homework right now, which I mean, I, this stuff, this stuff, I love nerding out on and I, I can see just hopefully we painted the importance of how important this is. And like, I've just, I, I enjoyed reading the book so much and, and learning about how this can all be done from somebody who's done it, not only for his company, but for other people. And so um, anybody can go check out, quit repeating yourself, how today's leaders are using systems and processes to grow their business the right way on Amazon. Um, I, I want to just ask one question, Jamie, that I asked uh, like almost all my guests, and then we can kind of wrap things up here for today. But I love to find out what does happiness mean to you today, Jamie? What is your personal definition of happiness? Happiness to me is uh, accomplishing what I set out for the day. And um, knowing that uh, my wife and I have a plan for the future, every single day we're chipping away at that. Um, and uh, that's that's happiness, getting to do what we want to do on our own timeline. So beautiful. Won't add anything to that besides just want to have a quick conversation with you listening right now. And I want to say you could be anywhere else. You could be listening to any other podcast, but you clicked on this episode with Jamie J and man, you've been in for an incredible ride. And um, I just have a, a quick favor to ask you. And that is if you were listening and something impacted you, whether it was uh, just learning about Jamie's lifestyle and how he's designed stuff to hang out with his wife and go out on the rink, or maybe if it was the what if statements or documentation or workflows or the the delegation roadmap, these are all things that can absolutely make a massive impact on people's life. So my favor to ask you is if you've been impacted, you have the power to transform someone by just sharing this with them. And uh, not only will it make my day, it'll make Jamie's day, but you can also make a difference by sharing this content. And man, this has been such an incredible interview, Jamie. Thank you so much for coming. Any final words that you want to say before we wrap things up? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, 
keep doing what you're doing because you're impacting a lot of people's lives. And I can I can tell by your passion for this, this is truly what interests you. So please keep doing what you're doing and keep spreading that word because uh, when somebody needs it most, they're probably going to hear from you. And, and, and that's magical to me. So thank you for choosing to be vulnerable and, and be a voice. Thank you, Jamie. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon, my friend.